Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, listeners. We are a married pair of working artists, and this podcast is our weekly date for getting on mics and talking to one another and to our community about stuff that matters to us. We are so glad that you're here. And hi, sweetheart. Hi. Hi. It's, it's our weekly date. It is our weekly chat date. I love it. I love it, too. I do, too. Yeah, it's really good. <sighs> yeah. Let's just keep saying that. I love it. No, I love it. No, I love it. No, no, I no, love you. it. No, you. No, you. <laughs> <laughs> do we have any uh, announcements this week? I have just one announcement. 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 Nice. Because it's just one. Okay. There's no announcements. No. There's no S. One announcement. Um, and that is that... Uh, we are doing a, I'm making a new album. We're making a new album. Yes, that's true. The second song just came out today. <gasps> wow. We're going to play it for you later in the podcast. But uh, along with this, this whole album project is about the idea of, of cultivating peace of mind mm -hmm. and grabbing hold of, of our agency in difficult times. Yeah. And the, the, the work that I'm doing to write the album is very journal based. I'm like like responding to journal prompts that I'm giving myself Whoa. based in an aspect of the recovery work that I have, that has been such a big part of my life for the last 17 years. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so as part of this, making this album, I thought, wouldn't it be fun if other people maybe wanted to join me in their own journaling work while I'm doing this and see where it takes them. And a whole bunch of people, in fact, thought that that would be fun. They really did. I'm so thrilled. I'm like, so thrilled. Um, but I wanted to say that that with the release of this new song today, this is really the first day where we're really getting going in this journaling project. So there really is still time for you to join us if you haven't yet joined and want to be part of this. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I say it's a group. It's not really a group. It's not like we're meeting to discuss our stuff. It's no. not, it's very personal. You it's all don't be... know who each other are. You don't see each other. Right. Yeah. Um, You're just on like a little email list and you can get the prompts. Yeah, exactly. So it's not, it's nothing to be like, oh gosh, this sounds threatening and I don't know these people and what I'm, I'm scared. You know, it's just really about me sending you prompts and you doing with them what you want to. Um, but it's it's been really neat to see uh, how, why people have gotten, they've, some people have shared with me why they've started this journey, what what interested them in doing it. And we're really getting going with this, this new song release today. So there was a first set of prompts sort of apropos of the first song, but it was more kind of contextual. It was more like thinking about like, why did you even want to do this? What do you hope you get from it? Yeah. That kind of stuff. But we're really getting going with the actual meat of the prompt stuff with this second song. Yeah. So the announcement is that if you want to do this with us, there is still time. You just need to send me an email. You can message me, Shannon at MisfitStars.com and I will add you to my fellow travelers list uh, of <laughs> people who are going to be traveling this journey in search of peace of mind and agency during difficult times. That's what we're exploring. And um, I'm always going to be like a step or two ahead of the rest of the group because of the way this is structured. Um, like we're going to release the new journal prompts with each new song. So like y'all will get the journal prompts, you know, today with the new with the new song release. And the song is based on the same journal prompts, but you started it like last week. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of a little bit staggered. But, um, and so the reason I share that is that um, I've already been just kind of surprised um, in a good way about where this journey is taking me. And so it's I'm really looking forward to sharing the prompts with y'all um, and looking forward to those of you who decide to share with me where it's taking you. Yeah. You know, like I think it's really good stuff, important stuff. So join us if you'd like to, Shannon at MisfitStars.com and I will add you to the list and that's it. That's my one announcement. 
I love it. It's a really good announcement. Thank and, you. And people, we really, you know, we value the opportunity to go deeper with you on stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is such a great way uh, for us to do that with you, you know, and for you to do that with us. So if this sounds interesting, please do, you know, just throw your email list at or your email address at us and we'll put you on our little list. And really, you know, I, I want to underscore the idea that it's just a personal journey and you yeah. can do with these prompts whatever you want. You can journal about them, you know, that's the obvious thing to do. That's how they're structured. But you could, I mean, you could paint about them. We already had one person say that she might want to do that. Mm-hmm. You could talk about them in a small group with a, you know, a couple of friends or with some family members or with your kids, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. There are so many different ways that you can take these ideas and these prompts on board into your own life and just use them to bring stuff out of you, your family, like whatever you want to do. Yeah. It's um it's a way to access deeper reflection, you know, in, in on yourself and, you know, maybe for other people to go on that journey with you. It's got the potential to be something real cool. Yeah. 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 Well, and like with everything, you we all get we get what we put into stuff. Yeah. You know? It's going to be one of those circumstances. You could definitely just get the emails and be like, oh, I definitely need to do that and then not do anything. You know? That's a thing you <laughs> That's could okay do. okay, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really, choose your own adventure. up yeah. to you. Yeah. So, uh, how are we feeling today? Jamie, how are you feeling? I've got three things on okay. my how my feeling list. All right. Well, one is a pair. I'm okay. feeling hungry and spacey. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Shannon and I, uh, starting... Yesterday, two days ago, uh, we're on two weeks of low carbs. It's just something we do every so often. Not super frequently, but every so often. Just cutting out sugar, essentially. Just, yeah, and grains uh, and, you know, just high-carb stuff. Uh, you, it's it's really, really hard to avoid all carbs. Like, almost impossible. Like, you kind of have to just eat lettuce, and that's not good for you. So, you know, <laughs> it's not a no-carb diet, but it's brutal. It's really difficult the yeah. first few days, you know. Uh, your body is used to getting those... Getting sugar. ...complex carbohydrates in there, you know what I mean? To power you through. And all of a sudden, I am not feeling powered through. Mm-hmm. I'm eating things, but they're not helping, you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, let's have a slice of cheese with mustard on it, you know? Hey, that's a delicacy. I, I, I really like that, actually. Yeah, yeah. you too. Mustard is good. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely affecting my uh, my blood sugar and my brain power. I'm yeah. doing the best I can. I'm spacey. But I also, the third thing I put on my list is that I feel peaceful. Oh, good. This has definitely brought a sense of kind of floaty peace mm. to my world. Interesting. You think it's related to the diet change? Yeah, for sure. Interesting. Yeah. I, it's really interesting. Maybe I'm just like too hungry to think deeply about things. <laughs> hey. And it's well, the deep thinking that makes you stressed out, there right? You go. <laughs> if you're not thinking deeply, you're just kind of happily drifting through life. They do say ignorance is bliss. So they do. there you go. Yeah. I love it. And I'm extra blissful today for sure. Amazing. Yeah. How about oh you? Gosh. How are you feeling? So my first one is I'm a little agitated and it's for the same reason. It's like <laughs> it's it's day two of no sugar and I'm and I'm feeling agitated in my body. But it's not, but I'm not like in a bad mood. I just know I know this is a body feeling. I know that this is I know the reason for it. Yeah. So I'm not freaked out about it. I just know that my body's like, really, we could we could deal with this feeling if you just had a couple M and M's, or if you had a slice of bread, you know. Um, So, but I also know from having done this before that that this agitated feeling really kind of crests around day three or four, and then really subsides. Mm -hmm. So I'm in that. My body's definitely in that adjustment period, and I'm feeling it. But it's okay. Also, right on. Um, Also. I slept great last night and mm-hmm. I'm wondering if it's because I had no sugar yesterday. Mm. Like I, in the same way that you're feeling peaceful, I'm wondering if part of the reason I have slept so well 
and I haven't been sleeping terribly well lately. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's a result of that. Anyway, interesting mm. observation. Yeah. I'm also feeling thankful today. Oh yeah, how come? Um, I'm feeling thankful because I had a pretty rough day yesterday. Mm -hmm. I just had an interaction with somebody that was not fun for me at all. It was um, someone was really cold to you. Yeah, yeah. and it was unexpectedly and really inappropriately and unwarranted. And yeah. it was yeah. So I had a lot of having to process that. But the, th the thankful part of it is that I shared how I was doing with all of that in our Misfit Stars private social network. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful because there was so many, there were people in that community who really showed up to offer really loving words of support. Yeah. And I just felt so lucky and so thankful for those people in my life and thankful for that space to be able to share in that kind of way. Mm -hmm. Like it's the kind of thing I, I just, I... I I didn't want to share. It's not like the, the kind of experience I had yesterday was not one that I wanted to just be like on Facebook with no. going Bleh. like it was. It's, it was too tender. It was too vulnerable. Yeah. And like sharing it in the in the social network felt good. And well, I was sharing like, something like that on Facebook, kind of by definition, just because the design of how that network works is kind of like. It's like you're slamming somebody. It's like you're vague booking. Like there's no real yeah. good way to put that kind of thing out there on Facebook without it looking like you're looking for pity or something right. like that. Well, think, but in our social network, oh, it's yeah. just this nurturing environment right. by design. And so you, we can put stuff there. Like I know in my personal mm -hmm. experience that like if I want to broadcast something to the world, I'll put it on Facebook. <laughs> and I mean, I'll share it in our group too. But like when, when I have something that I genuinely am concerned about and want to talk about mm -hmm. and break down in a safe way with a community of people where it's safe to be mm -hmm. vulnerable, that's what I use the Mystery right. Star Social Network right. for. I think also on, the, on that topic is like for me, posting something like that on Facebook I think what it does to me inside is it's it's an attempt at sort of dislodging the discomfort I'm feeling by yeah. like ranting publicly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm not actually dealing with it if I'm doing that. No. But I do need support. And so having this community where I know that by posting something in here, it is it is a place where I know I'm doing it I know I'm doing it for the right reasons. I know that I'm doing it because I want to share with my people what's really going on with me. And I know it's a place where I can actually get support. It's not just about dislodging right. some temporary discomfort. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm thankful... And like the whole structure of the group is really great for that too mm -hmm. because you know on Facebook like there's all the, these different reactions like you can do angry face, you can do heart, <laughs> you can do care huggy heart. You yeah. know what I mean? And so that 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 impulse to just kind of quickly dislodge how you're feeling about something and displace it works both ways. Because you can right. just dump something on there and sort of displace it from you. And people can just like do a reaction but not interact and not participate and mm -hmm. not like give you anything back. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like a bi-directional sort of blowing off of how it's they, not things really, work. It doesn't encourage healthy interaction or healthy processing no. on either side of things. But like there's no yeah. reaction. There's one reaction inside our Misfit Star social network and it's basically just like an acknowledge. Yeah. You know it, what I mean? It's cheer, but yeah. Yeah. But and it, so it is, yeah. you can, you know, if you want to express how you feel about something, you have to use your words. Sure. And yeah. that's healthy and good. Yeah. So thankful. That was, that was my thankful item. Mm -hmm. And related to that situation that um, I had to work through yesterday, I'm also feeling... Uh, centered and confident today. Good. Um, and I think it's because I, uh, it, those feelings are the result of me having worked through the stuff, like, which part of which involved like crying my eyes out for a little while. <laughs> you know, like that was part of, I think, really an important part of my processing. Yeah. Letting myself really feel what I needed to feel with mm -hmm. that. And, um, 
and not staying there, you know, that was just it was part of it. Um, but also, I really feel that those that the centered and confident feeling is also the result of me having chosen to like intentionally act in alignment with my values as I worked through this. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't blow off steam against this person who was rude to me. No, I wasn't. You didn't react in a negative way. No, I really, I, I behaved in a way that I can say is full of integrity. Yes. Which I mean, by which I mean, it was in alignment with my own values. Yeah. Right. So that feels really good, and that, and that itself, that act of of acting with integrity in the midst of that, reinforced for me my sense of self worth in a situation that was really like attacking that sense of self-worth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and also reinforce sort of like the, the worth of the work that I do. Like it, it the, 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 the scenario, the situation I was, I was grappling with really like it was taking it. It was a, it was a hit to my self-confidence, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, I'm really interested. It's interesting to observe that my sort of having worked through it in a way that I'm proud of has reinforced my self-confidence. Like, you know, like it was, it, I, I was able to sort of build myself back up yep. in a way. So that's where that confidence is coming from. Anyway. And I, you didn't knock yourself further down by acting in a way that you subsequently regretted. That's what I mean. Yes, yeah. it's exactly what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So that's how I'm feeling. Love it. Yeah. So do you have anything in your good news machine? All right. I do have one item uh, in my good news machine this week. Um, I read in the news in the Seattle Times the other day that um, our, our state legislature is in session right now. Mm-hmm. And they're, it's, it's a relatively short session. I don't understand why the legislature isn't in session for longer periods of time. Like, it seems like well, there's lots know, of work to do. You got you to gotta golf. You got to fundraise. <laughs> I mean, also, our, our, I should know the answer to this question. Are our state legislatures, legislators... Is that their full-time job or do they have other jobs? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know how much it pays, so I can't answer yeah, that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Anyway, they're in session. So they're 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 trying to pass a bunch of, of legislation right now. And the other day, uh, our state Senate here in Washington State approved a ban on sales of ammunition magazines with more than 10 rounds. It's Good. a big deal. Like this has been something that they've been trying to get passed through the Washington State uh, legislature for a while. Um, this is the first time that this a bill like this has passed a floor vote at all in our state. Heck, it goes yeah. to the House next, mm-hmm. and um, it should you know, do fine there too. It might, yeah. And uh, the, the, obviously, any things could go wrong between now and then. And so it's it's encouraging. I just I really like the fact that we have legislators that are that take seriously the issue of gun violence. And this is one thing, like there's so much more to do beyond this. This is not a panacea, this legislation, but I'm really glad that there's just no reason. There's no reason on planet earth or anywhere in the universe that that any person needs an ammunition magazine with more than 10 rounds. There's no need for that. I mean, what if you just want to freaking perforate a deer? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's just no reason. Seriously, like the hunting argument really kind of falls apart. Really, if you're saying that you need a magazine with more than 10 bullets to hunt, what you're saying in so many words is you're a poor hunter. You're a very bad hunter. You're a bad shot. You're a really bad (laughs) shot. You don't need 
a larger magazine, you need more gun training. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You just need more time at the range, honestly. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. But that was great news. It was really good news. So yay, good news machine. Hurrah. Do you have an item for our good news machine? This? No. No item for you this week. No. Oh, well, that's... Like, I'm sure there might have been good news. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't... I didn't... Nothing really leapt out at me like, wow, that's amazing. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Great. Well, you can celebrate my good news. Hooray. Um, can we get less dumb? Class? Anyone? Anyone? I think we can. All right. So I have one, and I will share it with you. Okay. What is it? What is it? It is this. Yes. And it's just a little factoid. That's all it is. I love it. But it was just fascinating to okay. me. Okay. So language acquisition. Language acquisition. What does that mean? So it's like how we acquire language, right? Okay. Specifically, we're talking about babies right now. Okay, babies. And check this out. Picking up vibrations from the mother's vocal tract and other voices from the environment starts after just three months gestation in the womb. Whoa. So like the last five and a half or whatever months that you are a little baby inside the womb. Fetus. A fetus, yep. Uh, you have been actively that whole time starting to acquire language. Whoa. So you don't start acquiring language when you are born. You've been doing it for like five and a half, six months before that. That's so interesting. Isn't that nifty? So you come out of the, you come out into the world with a nascent vocabulary. Whoa. I wonder. And it might just be like vibrationally based. Like uh -huh. you might not, because you can't hear, if it, it'll, it would be like hearing it through a wall. You it know what I like mean? It would be like the Charlie Brown teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. but like there's, there are patterns to that. Sure. And you can definitely tell tone and inflection. Yeah. And you're starting to understand how those things work and the patterns. Interesting. Right? So interesting. I wonder how that, like, I wonder how that, if, if that makes an impact on like the language that the that the mother is speaking. Like, I wonder if if the child eventually like learns a different language, if it's, I, like, I wonder how it, it affects the, the actual language you learn. Like, if it makes it hard. Like, say, let's say you were, say your mother was speaking French, mm -hmm. right? But you, like, then moved to uh, England <laughs> as a young person. And the first language you actually spoke was English. Mm. Like, I wonder if you have a harder time learning English because your mother was speaking French while she was carrying you. My gut would be no. Uh, now, I could imagine if you moved from one type of language to another type of language. Like if, if you moved from Southeast Asia to England. So like a maybe Romance that would be, language versus a, an uh, Asian language. Yeah, because the inflections yeah. are really, really different. Yeah, 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 that's true. You know, like you go up and down in your inflections and your mm. tonalities mm -hmm. in different ways in, mm -hmm. say, Chinese than you do in, say, you know, Hungarian. Right. Right? That's so interesting. But yeah, all, I mean, Western languages all have common inflections. Like, you can listen, like, if you're watching a movie that, like, if you're watching a French movie, you might be reading the, the English subtitles, but the inflections will match. Like, the questions will go up at the end, mm. anger sounds the mm -hmm. same, sadness sounds the same. Interesting. So I think the, probably yeah. the emotional nuances yeah. would come through as long as you're within the same language group. Right, right. So it's interesting. So That's my uneducated theory. I like it. I like it. That's super interesting. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, totally. What do you have for Let's Get Less Dumb? Um, so this is, it was kind of a, 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 it was actually almost one of a, my good news items this week, um, but it was kind of science-y, so I put it in this section because it was just really interesting. Okay. Um, so European scientists uh, have say that, say that they've made a major breakthrough in their quest to, to develop a nuclear fusion. So... Read about like, this. Yeah, it's so cool. So okay. cool. So... 
the nuclear nuclear fission mm-hmm. is what happens in the nuclear power plants that we have around the world right now. Yeah. Like so, fission is when you, when something when fission happens, it's split. Yeah. An atom is split, and the energy that's released from yeah. the splitting. The fission of the atom mm-hmm. is what's harvested and collected and made into yeah. energy that we use. That's also how you make like a nuclear bomb. You split the atom. Yes, yes. Release a it's ton all, of energy, very dangerous. And it's fairly easy to yeah. create a nuclear fission uh, uh, circumstance. Like, but or, it's or, also super dangerous and volatile. And if you don't carefully control the process, it can go out of control. Like the, when you have a nuclear power plant accident, right. that's what happens. Well, and also there is waste. There's radioactive waste that yeah. is... That is um, uh, created yeah. when you do nuclear fission. Which has a super long half-life, like 10,000 years or something like that. So right. like you try to store it underground, but it eventually like it it beats the concrete you've stored it in. It gets into the groundwater. Right. It's not good. Right. So there's been this quest for years for scientists to try to develop a way to harness energy from nuclear fusion. Right. So fusion is just what the word says. It's when two atoms are fused together. And it's very difficult to do that in a way that, uh, but when that happens, there's energy that is released from when certain atoms are fused together. It's particularly a couple different kinds of hydrogen atoms, Mm -hmm. right? When they're fused together, energy is also released from that chemical reaction Mm -hmm. and so that nuclear reaction, I should say. Is it because they're shedding electrons? Is that why? I don't exactly know why. Are there extra electrons? That that might be the case. I'm not exactly sure. But the point is that, that you can also make energy by yeah. by fusing but fusion of a couple of atoms together is a lot more difficult to uh to to make happen it's also much more difficult to contain because it is a very 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 powerful reaction mm-hmm. it is the kind of nuclear fusion is what powers the stars in mm-hmm. our universe our sun <laughs> is run on nuclear fusion. That's yeah. what's happening. So yeah. it is a super powerful. So like so sure you might be able to make the nuclear fusion happen, but if you can't make it so that it doesn't destroy everything it's touching around mm. it, the equipment you've used, then it's no good, Less right? Less useful, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this advancement is really cool. This uh the UK-based Jet Laboratory, they they have um they they've figured out a way to do this process safely so that it works and doesn't destroy everything. Um, and and they have uh, run these, these newest experiments that they wrote about. They've smashed their own record in terms of the amount of energy they were able to harvest from this fusion. Wow. And uh, it, it's just the coolest thing. It, see, the, the thing is, it, if, if this nuclear fusion can be successfully recreated mm-hmm. here on Earth, and like scaled making, up. making little stars, essentially, mm. um, it holds out the potential of, of being of giving us virtually unlimited supplies of low carbon, low radiation energy. Like it could be eventually the kind of thing that makes it possible for us to use energy here on planet Earth without destroying our planet. Yeah, like we would, we, we could have basically infinite energy generated locally at any source that needs it. Right. Like, well, a, like a phone that powers itself or like a home that well, powers itself. Well, this isn't exactly what this is addressing. You, if, sure, you surely could at a certain well, point. Well, if you're, I'm not sure that, uh, like the technology, here's the thing, the nuclear fusion technology, they, they have to, they're creating energy, right? Like it's still, like they, they're creating electricity, right? right? That's what they're creating here. Like yeah. that's the form in which it goes out. So 
you'd still probably charge your phone in an outlet in the wall in your house, right? Or whatever. Yeah, but, but like what's powering the outlet could be generated at your house. But, what I'm, but no, I mean, maybe in like a few, couple hundred yes, years. Yes, that's or what something. I mean. That's okay. the ultimate destination. But right now. Miniaturization is the point. Okay, but that's not the point of what they're doing here. The point of what they're doing, like they, right now, like they're just, they're, they're able to make plants, energy, power plants. That's that's what they would scale up to. They mm-hmm. would make power plants where nuclear fusion was happening. Because like what they've got to do to keep it all safe and contained is pretty complex and yeah. it's pretty large scale. They have to like suspend the the reaction inside like a donut-shaped field of plasma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's really complex. So like, yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe in some like utopian futuristic couple hundred years from well, now they can I'm figure th- that out. I'm thinking toward the future. <laughs> Absolutely. And why <laughs> and, wouldn't you do that? Sure. I mean, in the nearer term, what's very exciting about this is that we could potentially, you know, in the second half of this century, have power plants that are based on this technology that are that's feeding Feeding our our power lines to our houses with clean, actual clean, renewable energy yeah. uh, in unlimited source in, in an unlimited source, which is very, very cool. It is very, yes. very cool. Yeah. Well, so, hey, I feel less dumb. That's good, <laughs> especially when it's sciencey news. I love science. Nothing I'm like science to make you huge, feel somewhat less dumb. Yes, huge science nerd here. Well, I think it's time for where is my gold star? Where is it? Where's my gold star? Well, what you got? Well, it, this is easy for me today because um, we have a new song that I wrote yeah. and that we recorded and put out in the world. And so um, I'm asking for gold stars for this new song that I made. Well, you know what? We got to hear the song first, but do you want to talk about it a little bit? Oh, sure. Absolutely. So I mentioned earlier that this whole album is about the the process of cultivating peace of mind during difficult times. Right? And genuine agency. And agency, yes. So... Um, the, it seemed logical to me that the first step in the process of of working through whatever difficult times we're facing or that mm-hmm. I'm facing is to really um, face squarely the things that are stressing me out. Got to name them before you can fix them. Yeah. Got to diagnose the malady before you can apply a cure. Right, exactly. And so, and I think that it's very... Um, it's, I think it's human nature in some ways to try to minimize or turn away from or deny the things that are making us feel icky yeah. because it it's just a natural reaction. Sure. Like, you know, ooh, that's poison. I don't want to, you know, give my attention to it. Yeah. But in my personal experience, um, the stuff that makes me feel agitated, the, mes- the stuff that's robbing me of my peace mm-hmm. and paralyzing me from actually acting, it if I don't name that stuff, it actually has more power in my life. Mm-hmm. I remain paralyzed. I remain in a state of 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 no peace. Yeah. And so it's like a monster under the bed just always lurking there. Exactly. Terrifying. Exactly. So so really this first this first, you know, uh step in this journey is about naming the monster under the bed, like describing it in detail yeah. and not flinching from that. flipping on the light and really going for it. Um, And so, you know, for the people who are doing their journal prompts and doing their own process, the the topics that come up in this and the monsters they're naming will be as varied as the people who are doing this exercise. Sure. For me personally, the stuff that's really eating at me right now 
um, as I've mentioned before, and it, it's the stuff that's happening um, in our country and in the world, specifically re regarding climate change mm -hmm. and regarding the rise of uh, fascism and authoritarianism in our country. And those are the things that will keep me up at night if mm -hmm. I allow them to. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and sometimes when I don't want them to. Yes. <laughs> you know, but so so those are the things that I was really, I really spent some time getting deep into like, okay, what is it? What what are these things that that are that scare me, that are robbing me of my peace and paralyzing me? Um, what is it about them that worries me so much? Mm -hmm. What are the feelings that I that I have when I'm confronting them? What does the fear look like and feel like? What is mm -hmm. what are my emotional reactions? You know, and so um, so let's name it. So I I wrote a song called Sandstorm. Mm -hmm. And you're going to hear it here. And it really is just a, it's sort of a, a, a metaphorical representation of the feeling that I get when I, when I really feel the fear of these things rolling at us at the speed that they are. Um, and that's what the song is about. And um, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah. 
song is so freaking heavy. <laughs> I love it. In it's, a good way. <laughs> oh, yeah. It just, no, I, I really just mean like musically. Okay. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just, it, it just moves in mm. this really kind of just mm-hmm. deep way. I love mm-hmm. it. it. It makes me think, and I, I had this idea in my mind when I was working on it. And I really worked to enhance this feeling with some of the sounds I, I picked to sort of layer under what you had going on. Mm-hmm. It felt almost like, a like a, a machine like moving across a futuristic desert like those spice collectors in dune like that kind of machine <laughs> yeah. like something oh, yeah. with a, or a tank like something with a tread Definitely. moving across an alien environment it's got that kind of inevitability yeah. to the an almost me- mechanistic feel to the motion right, right. Uh, i just love it's so it. funny we watched dune just a couple weeks ago but it was after i wrote this song i mm-hmm. hadn't really i wasn't considering it. and then we watched the movie and i'm like oh my gosh there's some, there's a sandstorm that's exactly <laughs> what I was describing in this song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, yes, it, it has that feeling of like something's, you know, propelling toward us ever closer and over t- about to overtake us. That was really what I was going to go for. It was, it's interesting. I don't, I, I in in this exercise of writing this song, like I, I think that when I, when I'm writing songs, I often feel, and this is probably just a reflection of like <laughs> my sort of naturally optimistic personality or like my, I have this thing about me that I I really want to see the possibility in a situation, even if it's dire or the you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. I, I want I want the positive spin. I need the positive yeah. spin. And if there's an upside, Shannon's going to find it. I, right. That's just it's it's just part of who I am. Um, but that's not always realistic. And this this song was an exercise in really not having an upside. It was mm-hmm. just describing the thing coming at us. I think that's healthy for you. (laughs) No, I I think it was too. Well, I mean, and I also think it's good just as a songwriting exercise for you. Yeah. Because frankly, if in a, I mean, how long is a song? Four minutes, three and a half minutes. If in that amount of time, you're not only saying here's a problem, but then also pivoting to, but here's the upside. (laughs) It just sounds way too pat. Right, right. It's way too convenient, way too easy. Right. Like, that's no. not how things go. Oh, I completely get it. Yes. Yeah. No, I was, that's why I was, my, that's why I brought it up as it feels like it was a good exercise for me to just sit in this dark moment and write about that. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I know that this isn't where I'm staying, right? Yeah. This is not where I'm staying on this journey. There are more steps to come. This is just the first one. Mm-hmm. So, I, in knowing that and knowing that I get to explore, you know, beyond this moment, I could really sit in that moment. And I think that that's really actually just good for me emotionally to sit in that moment for a little while, not even just as a songwriter, but like as a person who's actually Mm -hmm. grappling with these ideas. Like it's just important to really sit there. Like yesterday when I had a tough day and I I had to cry, like I had to just sit in that moment for a little while. You know what I mean? That was part of what I needed to do. I didn't need in that moment to to focus on how things were going to get better or how I was going to feel better later in the day. I just needed to be present for that. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's what this this was for me too. So upon careful consideration and having listened to the song now, (laughs) I'm going to award you a gold star. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, how about you? Do you have anything for which you would like to request a gold star today? I I actually have three things, if that's okay. Oh, my gosh. You want up to three gold stars, is what you're saying? We'll just have to see. Okay. Okay? So the first one is actually related to to that song. Oh, okay. And so, and it has to to do with sort of the production and the mixing of it, but, you know, the, the... the part that I take and finish from you, you know? Yeah. And 
I we finished a version. We finished a version of it that we really, really liked. Mm-hmm. And I made an MP3 of it. Yeah. And I sent it to my childhood best friend, Alexi. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and I have just been trading music back and forth, stuff that turns us on, stuff that excites us. I mean, since we were 12. Yeah. You know? And his opinion is one that I really value. Mm-hmm. And he wrote back to say, it's great. It's really interesting because he didn't have like language around it because he doesn't produce records. So he doesn't know what you would call it. But he's like, I find myself losing a bit of interest. I sort of check out around three minutes and nine seconds. You know, (laughs) I'm like, that is so interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And he also mentioned like the big synthesizer starts to become grating around then also, right? And so what I sort of translated that to in my mind was that he was saying that the last little bit of the chorus there needs a lift. That's Uh what happens at 309. It's a transition from a chorus. There's a repeated chorus that happens there. And that's where the repeat turnaround happens. Uh, And I listened and he was right. Uh Like I had gotten so used to how I was hearing it that I hadn't really, I, I, I just wasn't, hearing that so, but with his view giving me like a fresh perspective on it I was like oh he's right and what I'm proud about and what I'm hoping maybe I can get a gold star for okay. is it has taken me a long time to let go of the idea that I have to be the one that is the only person who controls the production process and that I have to know everything mm-hmm. and that I have to be all seeing and all wise. You know, mm-hmm. someone making a comment that something I did wasn't exactly working quite yet in a previous version of me could have felt very threatening, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I might have just like responded like, well, it's probably going to stay this way. It's pretty good the way it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh-huh. instead what I did is I just tried to listen to it like from the perspective of what if he's right. right. And that's something that, like I've really been working at over the past few years. Uh-huh. And it was, it just felt like it came really naturally to me this time. And like cool. I felt like I did a good job. And it really like his feedback there really actually helped make the song much better because now like that turnaround of the, like where that chord thing repeats, it just flowers into something completely better it's there. It's exciting, yeah. It's really exciting. So yeah, gold star for you Okay, for hey, thanks. Honorary gold star for Alexi. I feel that way too. Yeah, thank you, Lex. Appreciate that. Yeah, so you've more items. I do. That you've, uh, I'm going to see if I have enough gold stars in my okay, pocket. Okay, well, you here. look in the pocket. Okay. Here's the other thing uh, I finished my radio outreach project. Oh, gold star. Thanks. That was a massive project. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I've talked about it here before. I won't belabor it, but I ended up sending or drafting. We're going to send them, uh, we're going to send them. Well, right around when this podcast comes out, like 12 hours after, right around noon, mm-hmm. Pacific time on Wednesday. Uh, but I've got them all drafted, got them all queued up, and I am uh, very proud of that. It was like 105 or so emails to all these different people who work in different capacities at like very carefully selected radio stations that I like selected and like I feel good about that. You should. That's a massive project. We're trying to spin this wonderful, unique opportunity of getting all this radio play on this one mm-hmm. AAA radio station into potentially other stations playing it. Like, yeah. This doesn't happen to no. artists like us. No. We, like we are, it is a very unique opportunity. So we're trying to see if it can maybe, we can maybe make it grow into something bigger. So, But it was a massive project for you to under, an undertaking for you to, to research all that because you can't just send out generic emails to you know, the first person you see on a list somewhere. No. You, you actually did genuine research. Gold star. Thank you. Gold star for you. Right on. Very, very proud. I may have one more in my pocket if you have another item for which Well, you- I mean, what if it's not deserving? I don't know. We'll have to see, okay? <laughs> and the third thing actually relates to what you were talking about earlier, uh, how you had someone act poorly toward you yesterday. Mm-hmm. So that someone who acted poorly toward you is actually 
a, a friend of mine. Right. It's not even a friend of yours, it's a friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, and much to my pleasant surprise, I didn't knee-jerk react to them yesterday. Good job. Thank you. This really felt like growth. Because you know how it is, this sort of thing always feels so urgent in the moment if you are wired like oh, I am. Yeah. Someone has wronged my person, the person I love and care about the absolute most in the world, and all I want to do is destroy them, <laughs> you know? Yes. I want to sever the friendship. I want to say, I, I just want to tell them that the way they acted was so inappropriately wrong that you must suffer consequences yeah. in the form of me no longer communicating with you, but first telling you what a terrible person you are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I didn't do any of that. I just didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's really was it not, hard? It was hard. Mm. Oh, yeah, I was drafting emails or text messages in my head all afternoon for yeah. sure. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But then I just didn't, like, do any of them. Mm -hmm. And that really felt like progress. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And it really is such a good reminder. Like, this sort of thing always feels so urgent, but mm. actually it's usually not. Mm -hmm. It's just that's how it feels in the moment because it's new mm -hmm. and it sucks. Mm -hmm. But things that are new and suck honestly happen all of the time. And we don't have to just be kicking and flailing and screaming our way in a reactive yeah. way through our entire lives. Totally. I mean, thankfully, I don't have all of the time experiences that leave me in a pile of tears. Yeah. But, but so this was, a, you know, a different scenario. But you're right. It was yeah. temporary and you allowed for it to be temporary in terms of like the, the, the flash of feelings that you had in the moment. Mm -hmm. You allowed those to simmer down yeah. before choosing to act from that place, which that's great. Gold star. Hey. Gold star. Thank you. Man, I am racking up the stars. This is great. You really are. We should have like a Chuck E. Cheese kind of thing where if I get so many stars, you can cash it in for something. Prizes. Like a stuffed animal of some mm -hmm. kind. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, this is like the skee-ball section of our podcast. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> right on. Well, I'm sure that there are some things that we came across this week that feel important to talk about. So perhaps we should talk about what feels important. Please hold for a very important message. All right. So I actually don't have anything on my list this week. Oh. And so I just want to hear what's on your list well, for this feels okay. important. Okay. I do have something. Um, it's sort of related to the trucker protest quote unquote protest in yeah. Canada. Yeah. So just to sum up that situation, you can help me sum up the situation too if you want to. But like yeah. there are these people in Ottawa, the capital of Canada, who have shut down the city with and, and they've shut down border crossings. I mean the border crossings opened, I think, yesterday because um the, they, they managed they, to they, finally they, clear the Windsor Bridge. Right. And that's a good that's a good thing. Like right. not all the crossing points are open yet, but, but the main one at Detroit is, and that's yeah. a big deal. Okay. Yeah. So, but they've been it's been going on for weeks now, yeah. and they they are ostensibly protesting uh Vaccine vaccination mandates. mandates. Confusingly, what they were sort of protesting in Canada was vaccine mandates in the US. Well so that's weird. They were protest <laughs> they were protesting, yeah, they were protesting. The, the fact that that to get back into Canada, you have to be show proof of vaccination. Yeah. But you also have to show proof of vaccination to come into the U.S. from Canada. So it, it's also, that's a that was a law that was, on the Canadian side, was established in the province of Ontario. Yeah. It's not even a national Canadian law. No, they really give a lot of power to the provinces in Canada. Right. Yeah. So, but they were protesting the federal government yes. over something that the federal government didn't even do. Yeah. The point of, the, of saying that is that, that there's that, and also the fact that these truckers um, 
like 90% of the actual people who are truckers in Canada are vaccinated yeah. and are pro-vaccination. Yeah. This is a teensy tiny little sec- segment of quote unquote truckers yeah. and other people who say they're sympathetic to their cause protesting these vaccine mandates but they're, they they are nowhere even close to representative of the Canadian population no. at large. The Canadian or- population at large is overwhelmingly pro-vaccine, pro-mass mandates, pro-vaccine mandates. Like, they just get pro- the public health aspect of it, and they don't want their friends to die. Pro-public health, yes, yeah. exactly. And even even the, like the, the biggest truckers organization, I don't know if it's a union or something in Canada. It's like, like a union kind of, yeah. It's this, like a representative organization. Yeah, they yeah. denounced this so, so-called protest. Oh, totally. Like, because... Nobody, nobody was actually like the majority of the actual truckers in Canada were like, this is baloney. Overwhelmingly, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so here's this like tiny amount of people making a huge ruckus, shutting down the city, um, shutting down border Shutting crossings. down international commerce. Right. Like hampering the auto industry. On both auto, sides on, of the border. Yeah. Yeah. Like massive disruption being funded by largely American. Republican billionaires. Yes. And like also, Peter Thiel, Charles Koch, et cetera. Yeah. So like it's it's this, it's it's similar to the issue we talked about uh last week or week before with these all these, you know, quote unquote protesters who are rising up against school school boards around our country, like they're anti-critical race theory. Yeah. Like they they appear to be super grassroots. They're not. They're funded by like bajillionaires who are trying to make it seem like grassroots protests. And all of their talking points and legislative ideas are rubber stamped out from a centralized source. Yeah, like literally given to them like over email, like here, this is what you should say. Here, this is the legislation you should try to get passed at the school board level, local level, whatever. Right. In, in a similar fashion, this trucker protest is an astroturfed protest. It is yes. being funded by and propelled by, you know, billionaires, who have who who essentially want to make Western democracies ungovern uh, like they want to they want to destroy Western democracy. Yes. They don't they want they want these countries, our country, Canada and the United States, to be ungovernable. Yes. And the move that they have to resort to is this chaos factor. That's what they're doing. And they're making patsies of the people who show up at the actual protests. Yes. There's no there's no sense to the actual protests. Yeah. Same it's with, ideologically incoherent. Falls apart under the slightest scrutiny. Exactly. And so, but it, but it is this this sort of like this. They're trying to inject chaos into the system in order to make things seem ungovernable. Yeah. In order to weaken democratic governments that would put regulations in place to keep. Uh, to, to to keep us from from sliding ever further into wealth inequality and you know allowing corporations to just poison our water and our air or whatever while the rest of us earn less and suffer under increasingly bad conditions yeah. you know, like like the the wealthy want things to go poorly in government so that they can say look government doesn't work and therefore we'll just keep doing whatever we want to do and not what the people actually want and right. need right so. I just feel like it was important to talk about that. Like, it, like it's, I'm sure it's been in the news. Um, I mean, I we don't watch the news, so I'm sure it's been on TV. But like, we've been reading about it in the papers and stuff like that. And there was, um, I, I read a couple things about it this week that that really kind of said the same. The two different authors that I read about this, um, writers who had similar ideas about this, like 
what what's happening here. Mm-hmm. First was Timothy Snyder. Um, he we've talked about him, him um, on this podcast before. He's a, 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 a an expert in authoritarianism and authoritarian regimes. Yeah, he yeah. Come, he's a historian and yeah. an, an academic. He's and a great writer. Such a great writer. So a lot insightful. of poetry in how he writes. Yeah, yeah. and I, we get his um, his newsletter uh, yeah. when he sends it out, and he he wrote all about this trucker protest with from the uh, this this aspect of of people you know wanting to inject chaos. Um, and and the other, the other person I wrote I read who had written about that this last week is uh, uh, Brian Boitler. He's a he's part of the Crooked Media uh, group of people, yeah. um, and he was he was writing uh, about the trucker protest also. And I just want to quote something that he said here, which was really I say just like put like a point on the issue. Mm-hmm. He says underlying all the brazen lawlessness and antisocial conduct on the political right is an implicit threat especially unsubtle among far-right men, mm-hmm. to make the country ungovernable if they don't get their way. Yeah, right. And I think that that's where we're at. Like, we're at this place where, like, you know, we've got these far-right, mostly men, not all, but, you know, people on the far-right are throwing temper tantrums yeah. because they're not getting their way. The world is not going the way that upholds their position or their perceived position of power in mm-hmm. the hierarchy. Or they're just their point of view. Right. And so they're they're essentially just throwing temper they're they're becoming toddlers with guns and massive trucks shutting down yeah. <laughs> guns on January 6th. No, 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 they didn't have guns. They had they had like pepper spray and and violence is my point. Yes. Like they're bringing violence and chaos to the to the table because they because they're not because they're not getting their way. Yeah. And and this and they're useful to the people who really want to sow chaos, the 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 corporations, the billionaires who are funding this kind of thing. Yeah, oligarchs. They're useful. Yeah. They're useful to those people to continue to gin up that chaos. But as I was reading this, like I couldn't help but draw the 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 comparison to the fact of this is what abusers do. Oh yeah, for sure. This is abuse behavior. This oh, is absolutely. What, it's what Trump did, right? Like when I, when he was in office, every time something wasn't going his way, he would just create chaos. Yep. I mean, that's all he knew how to do. That's how he dealt with everything. Yeah. Um, because it it makes us all confused and it makes us all scared, and it's mm-hmm. it you know, and so I I was really thinking like as we are looking at like you know these far right protesters in the United States, like the January 6th people, the the trucker protests in Canada and seeing, you know, what they're doing. Like, I think it's really helpful. It was helpful for me to understand, to look at them and understand them from the point of view of, of the fact of them being like abusive people. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I feel, I feel like it takes some of the mystery or it takes some of their power away when you see them for what they are. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yes. this is they're not operating from a place of strength. An abuser doesn't do this, doesn't play this chaos card when things are going their way. No. When they're actually, you know, they're when their plan is working. Yeah. They throw the chaos card in when things are not going their way. Sure. And so I think when if we can see it for that, for what it is in that, that you know, maybe we can feel a little bit encouraged that okay, perhaps society is moving inching ever slowly away from their way, which is terrible for everybody but them, yeah. you know? And perhaps this is like, you know, uh, seeing the, the extremes of their reactions mm-hmm. maybe is just an indication that that we're, we're, we're birthing into something new and better. Well, I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, that's always the hope. Right. Right? Do you have thoughts? Uh, 
I don't share your optimism, but as previously, okay, dis- well, as previously discussed, you are the one who goes there. Sure. You know? But also, like, doesn't doesn't like taking this view uh, or under, having an understanding of where these folks are coming from? Doesn't it also help us develop more effective tools in combating them if we can see them for what they are? I mean, it's much like you were talking about in your song, right? Yeah. Like, we can't figure out how to fix something until we can name exactly what it is. So right. this is at least a step in that direction. Sure. So I'll see that point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't see. It doesn't feel like a cure is coming anytime soon. No, and indeed, I, it feels like the pendulum is swinging very much the other way. No, like I, it's going to get much, much, much worse. The question is, will it have a chance to course correct and swing back the other direction and get better, or will the pendulum just keep getting worse and worse and worse? And despite how aware we are of it, mm-hmm. it just stays there and fascism takes over More worldwide. Ca- yeah. Well, I hope the it conditions does. worldwide are, are ripe for it. Right. So there is that. Well, thanks for that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this seems like a great time to segue smoothly into the Inspiration Station. Inspiration Station. Yeah, I could use some. Yeah. I could use some Inspiration Station. How many do you have? I have one. Okay, great. Well, I, you know how I didn't have a a thing, I I didn't have something for a couple of previous topics? Sure, sure, sure. I have three whole things for oh here. Oh my gosh. This is where it's, all my energy went this week. Honestly, this week, I was just putting more energy into feeling inspired about stuff. Well, good for you. Yeah. So well, Good for you. Well, great. Well, good job, <laughs> asshole. Yeah. I'm How'd that work out for you? No, what do you have? Well, really great. Oh, you feel inspired and happy. Well, great. Fine. <laughs> so happy for you. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're really happy. Great. Okay. So, uh, I will start, I will start just with a short one. Okay. Because, mm-hmm. Actually, no. I'm going to end with a short one. It's going to work out oh, better. Okay. I'm going to start right. with so uh, former Misfit star Whitney Fishburne, yeah, and still a very dear friend, yeah. of of Misfit stars. Uh, she has and a wonderful writer. Yep, she and... has a wonderful Substack. Let's uh, like an email thing, and her one this week had something that felt very, very inspiring to me. Mm. So she was writing like writ large. Her piece this week was about the idea of ignorance, how ignorance is really having a moment <laughs> in our culture. You know how like yeah. on, on the right wing, uh, it's not cool at all to have gone to college or to know things or to right. be in even basic command of facts. There's and a big it, anti-intellectual movement. There's a huge there. anti-intellectual movement, you know, mm-hmm. like people People just look down on experts and expertise. Right. You know, I mean, the, the basic idea on the right wing right now in a lot of circles is that my uh, opinion tr- beats your facts. Right. You know? Right. It's I mean, dangerous and bad. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've seen the biggest example of that in the whole anti-vax movement. Yes, right? absolutely true. I did my research. Yeah. No, you didn't. And so, <laughs> yeah, no, you just Googled some shit. That's called confirmation bias. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, what Whitney was getting at toward the, uh, toward the end here, I'm just going to read from it, but it, w- it was about reframing the idea of ignorance for herself and turning mm. it into something that can actually be really powerful if you use it in the proper way, right? Okay. So she's talking about how she, when she first started working uh, as a medical uh, journalist, okay. she didn't know a lot about the medicine part of it. Right. She was a really good journalist. She was a really good reporter. But not a scientist. But she wasn't a scientist. So, so she was asking people basic questions about biology and kind of getting schooled in the moment. Right. But then how also her natural curiosity and the fact that she didn't presuppose herself already to be an expert in the field mm. led her to ask people questions that led to them really like 
needing to reevaluate where they were coming from. Or like, in some cases, reinforcing the yeah. conclusions they had gotten to scientifically. Yes. Yeah. But either way, right. you know, it was a healthy way to engage in exchange with someone, mm -hmm. you know, not coming from ego, but just coming with inquisitiveness. Right. You know? Right. And so here's what she says uh, toward the end of this essay. She says, I got comfortable with the fact that my ignorance is real, but so I am relieved at last to admit is my intellect. Having sacrificed needing and wanting to be a cool kid in the know and on the inside of the set, whatever that set is, my ignorance now can be creative, not foolish. Mm. It's definitely not hostile. And I don't have to prove that I am not ignorant. Mm -hmm. Actually, in considering how to bring back curiosity, uh, like as a value in society, yeah. you know, especially in the minds of powerful people, I think I have come upon a useful formula. And her formula is... Mm -hmm. Ignorance plus curiosity equals actual power. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And she closes by saying, everyone is ignorant of something. Mm. There is no shame in that. Mm -mm. The shame is when we choose to celebrate or fear our ignorance rather than leverage it. Mm. Leverage it to, to fuel our curiosity and learn something and actually... Yes. Do better. <laughs> and I really like how she's like, she, she equates, like, there is shame in not just celebrating ignorance. That's obviously something you should not be proud of. No. Like people like the, the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, you know, um, the, the gazpacho. Like it is, yeah, the, there's like gazpacho police. <laughs> oh my God. Literal soup Nazis in the Capitol. Terrible. Um, but you know, people like that obviously should be should be mocked. People who celebrate their ignorance. That's terrible and you shouldn't do that, especially when you have power. But people who fear their ignorance, that's also mm. equally bad because when you fear what you don't know, it causes you not to ask questions and to pretend you know more than you do. Oh, yeah. And then you're just bullshitting and you don't learn anything. Right. And it's not good either, right. you know? Yeah. And I really appreciate that she uh, that she brought those both into the conversation mm. and then is like, you know, the way we can leverage our ignorance is to use it as a as reason to learn. Yeah, that's wonderful. Isn't that inspiring? Yep. Super inspiring. Loved that. I feel inspired. Good. Yeah. Uh, what do you have? Okay, so this is this is actually from a, a you sent me this this snippet this week, and I thought it was just such a lovely sentiment. Um, you get this newsletter called Letters of Note. Yep. And uh, this was a letter, and it's just it's it's the the person just shares letters that folks have written. Over other, the years. Over the years, other folks. And it's a wide variety. There's some people from history. There's current people. Yeah. Um, this one was a letter that the actor Laura Dern uh -huh. sent to her daughter. Uh, I think it was in 2017 yeah. that her daughter was sort of like coming of age. And this, this letter was yeah. a, a letter she wrote to her. Um, maybe on a milestone birthday or something like that. It might have been like 16 or 17 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I just... The, and the whole letter was wonderful. But there was this one segment that was just really lovely and I wanted to spend some time sort of marinating in the thought of it. Mm. Um, she says this, I want you to know that most of your life will happen in the gray spaces between bliss and heartbreak. Mm. Between having everything lock into place and having it all fall apart. Mm -hmm. That's where the grace is. Mm. And I just loved that. I just thought, you know, like we really do tend to focus on those peak moments and those super low moments, you yeah, know, like yeah, the trough yeah. moments. Like we we tend to really celebrate the high highs and like really regret or like feel badly about the low lows. And that's, you know, those can be the the highlights of what we think our experiences, but, our, but so much more of our experience 
is in the middle of all that, is yeah. in between those times. Yeah. And certainly those times, I think, provide something of a frame around our experience, mm -hmm. you know? Like, but the meat of the experience is not the frame. It is, it is the middle. Is it a picture or a sandwich? What's the metaphor here? Uh, I don't know. It's, I like the idea of a frame around a sandwich. Okay, but you get my point. Yes. Go I'm with just me. being an idiot. You are being a <laughs> jerk. So, but that's the point. Like, like, like yeah, it, it, is, it is important to celebrate the high highs. Yeah. And it is important to really feel the low lows when we're there. Yeah. You know? But it's really, it was a really great reminder for me that like most of my reality mm -hmm. is somewhere in the middle of that and that there is beauty in there and, and there is some sorrow in there sure. and there is all of it in there, yeah. in, the, in the middle. And I just, I thought that was really lovely. Well, and it's a really nice admonishment uh, to not, to not ignore the fact that like everything in the middle is kind of commingled. You know? Right. Because it's not those extremes where it's like, this is clearly 100% good or this is clearly 100% bad. All that stuff in the middle is, I mean, by definition, it's mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's 70% good, but 30% mm -hmm. bad. Or maybe, you know, or maybe it's a good moment in a bad day mm -hmm. or a bad moment in a good experience. And like, it's the complexity and nuance. It's the richness of life that she's right. talking about. And there are, I think it's also a trap to to um, try to define our experiences by the extremes mm -hmm. also. You know, like, I think that that probably a lot of us at some points in our life focus on the idea that what we really ought to be striving for is to always, to be happy all the time and to have that, to, have, to be on that peak as often as possible. You know, but mm -hmm. like, like, like doing things in our lives that set us up for feeling like that's how our life is supposed to go. Yeah. But it's not, that's not, those are unusual moments, yeah. right? So that's kind of a trap to think about that. And conversely, I think a lot of us in our, in some of our, you know, during some of our experience, maybe come to define the low lows as, as the definition of our experience too. And that also is a trap, you mm -hmm. know, like things always go bad for me or like, just like, like the, the the focusing on that low low i think honestly can be sort of a hedge against feeling more pain sure. like if you're already miserable yeah <laughs> and you know you're miserable and you say you're miserable you know like how can more misery affect me you know what i mean it's like a shield i think that kind. one of the ways in which social media can be so dangerous damaging especially in like instagram uh is that it can really lead people to think that it's possible to have an existence that's only comprised of good moments. Oh, yeah. Of apex moments. Oh, totally. And when you see like, quote unquote, influencers, yeah. you know, like beautiful people doing beautiful things all of the time, mm -hmm. it's not an accurate representation of what their life actually looks right. or feels like for them. It's just curated good moments, right. you know? Right. But when we only look at those cherry-picked good moments, mm. it can really give us a skewed and very unhealthy, deeply unhealthy perspective on right. how we should live our our own life, you know, right. because you know that that gorgeous Instagram influencer, like they have a shit that comes out weird and like it's super <laughs> sticky and you got to wipe it a million times to give yourself a little hemorrhoid and then your butt hurts. You know what I mean? Hashtag poop. Hashtag my butt hurts. <laughs> but like you don't see hashtag my butt hurts ever. <laughs> But it's the reality of life. Oh my God, that was a very graphic example. Thank you. But you know that that happens even to those like model gorgeous guys. Of course. You know, their butt hurts too. Their butt hurts too. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what Laura Dern was saying here is that their butt Everyone's hurts Everyone's butt too. hurts. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thanks, Laura. Oh my gosh. No, I really, I, it was a great, it was a really inspiring for me to think about, you know, really focusing on that middle and, yeah. and that, and being, and, and, and that's where the grace is. That's what she says at the end of that sentence. And I like that. It's so true. That's where we really live. That's where we really um, extend ourselves to each other and allow ourselves to be content in yeah. our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have more. I do. You have more inspiration. I don't can I even stand to be inspired anymore. Man, we're just going to have to see. We're really going to be pegging the inspiration okay. meter here. Uh, so this next one is definitely more in the category of made me think. It was oh. just, I found it very, very awesome. interesting. So I, I found this. Uh, it's an article by someone named Matt Webb. Uh, it's a person I wasn't aware of previously. He is like kind of like a high-level business consultant is what it seems okay. like. But not one with bad ideas. Oh. Actually, it seems like okay. one with really good ideas. Right, um, yeah, seriously. He says on his little bio, I help companies invent their future businesses through my consultancy. Okay. You know, recent clients include Google, Redacted, and a couple of VCs. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's who this person is. Clearly very, very smart, but you know how sometimes smart people who work in that sort of environment can have really terrible libertarian ideas. Generally, Yeah, in fact. there's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. He's not that person, and it's really, really interesting. So the article that I saw of his, the sort of the, the hook line from it that, that roped me in, was that superheroes create cultural acceptance for popular oligarchy. Oh. I was like, oh, that's deep. Better read this. Yeah. So let me read you this absolutely fascinating little segment of this piece he wrote. I think you just described Batman. Oh, well, he totally talks about that. Wow. Well, and if if you think about the idea of Superman, right... The Nazis had an ideal of a perfect person. Oh. It was called the Ubermensch. What? Guess what an Ubermensch what? translates to in English? No. Superman. What? Yes. And it was like oh. the prototypical blonde, like Aryan, perfect, chiseled jaw, super strong, almost heroic Nazi soldier, right? What? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's where it came from. Oh and God. if you think about like in popular culture where the idea of doing powerful deeds in masks and capes came Uh from. It came from the Ku Klux Klan, right? Like, Uh, it's really wild. Um, And so... What about the Lone Ranger? That's post-KKK. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And also, Lone Ranger was super racist. But anyway, moving forward. Okay. Yeah. Um... (laughs) So it says, uh, what does the current, he, he says, uh, you know, toward the end of this article, he says, what does the current popularity of comic book superheroes in culture do? It reinforces the idea of a hierarchy of human with the ubermensch at its apex. The superhero makes things all right without being asked. It looks after us. It protects. It cleans up the streets. It's a parental role. Uh, and to someone else's point, we've got these parental superheroes at the same time as we've basically got tech startups that do what our parents used to do for us, drive us places, give us food, fulfill whims on demand. Well, yeah. It says, uh, it says that the superhero is someone other. It ain't us. And that that's a good thing, it oh. says. Put like this, it seems like the concept of the superhero is softening us up for a popular oligarchy, an unattainable class of humanity which is super wealthy with super abilities and somehow championed by the rest of us. Oh my gosh. And he says, now I'm not saying that a popular oligarchy equals fascism, but reading Umberto Eco's 14 features of fascism, the two systems do rhyme. And now I'm going to read you Umberto Eco's 14 features of fascism. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, uh, this yeah. Not, this is not going well. <laughs> so, uh, um, Umberto, this is not going well for fans of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, uh, Umberto Eco is, uh, is a thinker, he's a writer, he's an author, uh, and he has... Uh, he had the re a really famous 1995 essay called Ur Fascism. Um, and he, he grew up in Italy under Mussolini's fascist regime. Okay. Right? So he's got experience here. And so here is what he says are the, uh, are the 14 features of fascism. Uh, and I'll just breeze through them. Number one, the cult of tradition. Okay. Right? Number two, the rejection of modernism. Number three, the cult of action for action's sake. Mm. Number four, disagreement is treason. <laughs> right? Uh, number five, fear of difference. The friend, and the little thing that says here about that is that the first appeal of a fascist or prematurely fascist movement is an appeal against the intruders. Right. Right? Oh, yeah. um, appeal to social frustration. The obsession with a plot, oh, like man, a like, national plot. Like QAnon? Yeah, sure, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. The enemy is both strong and weak. By a continuous shifting of rhetorical focus, the enemies uh -huh. are at the same time too strong and simultaneously too weak. Interesting. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, like, like a super weak per enemy that you should look down on, but that should also be feared because of the power they have. Right, right. Really wild thinking. But we see that in Trumpism, you know? Yeah. Um, Pacifism is equated to trafficking with the enemy, right? Huh. Uh, like pacifism is almost treasonous, huh. right? Uh, contempt for the weak. Everybody is educated to become a hero. Heroism is the norm. The cult of heroism is strictly, strictly linked with the cult of death, right? Hmm. Um, machismo and weaponry. <laughs> uh, selective populism, Mm -hmm. You know, populism, but not for everyone. Right. Not for brown-skinned people. Right. Right. Um, and, Poor people, yeah. women. And newspeak, right? All of the, as in all of the Nazi or fascist school books made use of an impoverished vocabulary, a limited vocabulary, right? And an elementary syntax in order to limit the instruments for complex and critical reasoning. Like if you don't teach people complicated words, they can't elucidate complicated nuanced concepts, right. right? And isn't it fascinating to think about how many of the things on that list I just read also are parallel to the world that the comic book superhero universe kind of creates. Yeah, that's interesting. It's really, really interesting. And he closes by saying, could you have the cultural acceptance of Elon Musk without Tony Stark? <laughs> right? No. He's Elon Musk no, is basically I, like a real life Iron Man. That's I, like the mythology. Right. That's the mythology that people and that's, assign to him. Yeah. And that's why we that's why so many people accept him so unquestioningly because he's sort he's, of like a superhero. Oh, but not right? because he doesn't Yeah. But, wow. you, but you see it? I do. Really, really, really fascinating thought. Well, I don't feel inspired, but that did make me think. Yep. And it also made me think that I'm still going to watch Marvel movies. Oh, for sure. Because I love them. But I will watch them. And you know what else? Them. I love fascism. I, no, I don't. No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. <laughs> I will watch them with this frame in mind. Yeah. And I will, you know, not allow my... my own consciousness to be infected with the idea that I think fascistic oligarchy heroism is a good thing. Yeah. That's what I mean. Because, I mean, what is Batman but a benevolent oligarch? Right, right. Yeah. Right. He's a billionaire who chooses to use his forces for good, but he could just as easily choose to use them for bad. Right. Right? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Well, do you have any, is there a good thing? Are you going to leave us on a good note? I just have a fun thought. Okay, good. So I get this word a day email and it always has like a yeah. thought of the day from someone who was born on the day. So yeah. person who was born the day that we're recording this, uh, today's February 15th, Tuesday, uh, he is a professor of cognitive science named uh, Douglas Hofstadter. He was born on this day in 1945. <laughs> He's still alive. Yeah. And here's a quote from him. Okay. Hofstadter's law. It always takes longer than you expect, even when you take into account Hofstadter's law. <laughs> it's so true. Oh my God. You read this to me earlier when you first yes. read it. And I, and I was thinking, oh my God, that's, that's what like making records is like. It always takes longer than you think. Even when you go even, into the understanding that it's going to take longer than you think. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love Nailed it. it. Thank it's you, so Professor good. Hofstadter. Really wonderful. Super yes. good. Well, maybe we should round out the episode today with a gratitude crank up. That sounds like a wonderful idea. What are you grateful for today, sweetheart? So um, we we were able to, we chose to, and then we're able to actually execute uh, two days off this weekend. In a row. In a row. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for yeah. those two days of yeah. rest. Yeah. We got outside a little bit. Yep. Um, we didn't do any work. Nope. Uh, and I felt myself like at the end of the first day beginning to relax mm-hmm. and then being able to kind of like more fully enjoy the relaxing thing the next day. Yeah. And I'm really grateful. I I am especially grateful since I had kind of a rough day yesterday yeah. that I had my tank filled up with that rest over the weekend. Yes. You know, like I was really, it was very important that mm-hmm. I had that going into that scenario. And so, yeah, I'm really grateful for an actual weekend. How about you? I'm grateful today that I am in a place in my life where I can reliably be present for my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. You know, uh, my nie- I've, I've, we've got some nieces. One of them is just going through a thing in her life, you know, because she's like a teenager and teenagers are like humans yeah. who go through things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was able to give her some counsel. Yeah. Well, you know? and she wanted it from you too, which is lovely and yes. not always the case with no. teenagers. No. Yeah. She like actively asked me, like, do you have any ideas about how to approach a situation? Yeah. And that meant the world, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. And it was really like a reflection of the fact that like, I think my family understands that I am someone that they that can be reliably turned mm. to, to, to be present for them. Mm. And it means a lot. It didn't used to be the, the way I was. Yeah. You know, that feels like growth and I'm grateful for that. That's very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, you all, thank you so much for listening today. This was fun, Jamie. I enjoyed our conversation. I did too. Um, yeah, a whole lot. And thank, thank you, you for tuning in. Those of you who are still listening, are you still listening? Are you still here? That's a forest tree question. Wow. The answer is by definition, yes. Yeah. Um, we're really grateful that you give us your ear a little bit each week yeah. um, and choose to spend some time with us. It's mm-hmm. very meaningful to us that you do that. And um, and if you're listening, you should know, if you don't already, that this podcast is made possible from by the support of our Misfit Stars community. Yeah. This is uh, one of the things that we do that is literally funded by the people who um, have signed up to give us uh, small dollar monthly support yes. um, in order to encourage and sustain the work that we do, this podcast being one of those things. Uh, and if you are like, yeah, I, I also want to help sustain and support this because it's important to me, we would love to have you join our Misfit Stars community. And you do that by going to misfitstars.com slash support. Yep. And you can choose the amount that you want to contribute each month. The average 
contribution of our members is like 10 bucks a month. That's right. You can do five. You can do whatever. You can do 20. You can do a buck a day if you want to. There are some people who do that. Yeah. I love that. Uh, so, you know, whatever whatever makes sense for you. Um, you know, if this is something that, it's, that is valuable to you in your life, we just would invite you to put your money where your mouth is. I want to... Ad- <laughs> I want to address a potential concern that I could imagine someone having hearing this pitch. What's that? You know, we say, you know, become part of our Misfit Stars community and support our work. Right. You don't have to be part of the community if you don't want to. Right. You could just send us money. It's You lovely. know what I mean? The community's lovely. The community's amazing. If you, you will, when you, you know, when you sign up to support our work, uh, you will get invited to our Misfit Stars social network, our private social network. But you don't have to do it. I know that there are some people who are like, I'm overloaded already. I'm overwhelmed. I can't do another group. I can't mm, be. An, oh yeah, I can't yeah. do another thing on the internet. I can't have another social commitment. If that's you, understand that that's totally fine. You can support our work in more of a behind-the-scenes kind of way. Only about 20% of the people right. who support us in the Misfit Stars community participate in our social network. Actively, the yeah. other 80% are just silently giving us their support because and, they believe in the work we're doing. Right. They're enjoying the podcast. They are enjoying the, the original music that we're putting out. Yep. They are signed up for the journaling journey that we're doing. Some of them. <laughs> Some of them, you know, um, they are appreciative of the fact that you spend a bunch of your time mentoring other artists yep. with the time that folks are are buying you. <laughs> with I'm talking support. with two new female artists this week mm-hmm. about potential mentorship cool. situations. Love it. Yep. So yeah, you're right. That You don't have to, this doesn't require you to like emotionally invest no, or, no, or, no. or invest any of your time if you, if you don't want to. That said, the community's rad and you can absolutely yeah. you know, be part of the, the actual community. Here, you, by, com, by contributing monthly, you are spiritually part of the community. You're making it happen, yeah. right? Like there is part, that, that is definitely a benefit that will accrue no to you. No extra effort required. <laughs> yeah. Best case scenario. Exactly. Um, so, and thank you to all of you who are already Misfit Stars. We just appreciate you so, so much. Thank yeah, you we do. for your support. Thank you. Is that all? For I think week? so. Okay, we'll be back next week with more. I'm thinking about Mr. Rogers right now. <laughs> we'll have more ideas for you. Aww. And you'll have things you'll want to talk about. I will too. Oh, the two rhymes. It's Mr. Yeah. Rogers. Get over it, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll be back next week with more. Until then, uh, please take good, good care of yourselves and be good to each other. Yeah, we love y'all. We'll see you soon. See ya.